just like right now I'm not doing good you don't have to admit it right now we're actually gonna get into that a little bit later because uh yeah anyways anyways it's good to be here it's good to see you guys you're all awesome and I love each and every one of you and uh I am uh stoked I never use that word I'm excited to have the opportunity to uh to talk to you guys today and uh I just pray that the words that I use uh, are the words that we all need to hear. And the words that you don't need to hear don't come out of my mouth. And if they do, just let them go. All right, here we go. So over the last several weeks, uh, Pastor Neil has been uh, taking us through Ephesians chapter 1. In the series, uh, Practice and Position, right? And, And everybody knows all three of those sermons that we've done so far. And if you have not, for those of you, the one or two people in here that has not memorized all of those yet, here's what we talked about, okay? So uh, in week one uh, of this series, we learned about the blessings in our lives, the ones that we can be proud of, right? Number one was uh, blessings of the Father, so things like affirmation, innocence, and acceptance. That's pretty big. Like, when you know that you have been blessed by the Father, like, by God himself, the creator of the universe. That's pretty big. He blesses us so much all the time. And it's amazing. Number two was blessings of the son. Things like freedom, forgiveness, and revelation. Those things are super important, aren't they? Anybody here ever never, never need to be forgiven? Like on a daily basis? Hourly, weekly, minutely. And then blessings of the Holy Spirit, confirmation, assurance, and protection. I need to know, I need to have confirmation in my heart on a daily basis that there is a comforter, a a Holy Spirit who can calm me down when I need to be calmed, who can... uh, Assure me that God is real and that I'm loved. And that can protect me when I need to be protected. Anybody else feel that way? I think we do. And then in week two, we learned about prayer and gratitude and the two essentials to prayer, which are consistency. That's a big one, right? It's important to pray all the time. It's so important. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, thou Lord on high. It's just a conversation, right? It's a conversation with our God, our Father. And then the second one was gratitude. When we show gratitude to God, it cultivates in us these three things, or four things. Number one, a position of our heart to hear from God. 
Number two, a posture of worship. Number three, a perspective of God that's bigger than any situation. And four, a proof of God's goodness in our life. I want to hang out there for just a minute. A little while ago, I asked, is anybody here not doing good? And I don't want you to raise your hand, but if that's you, those four things that God assures us of when we show gratitude to him, those things that it, that it cultivates in us are so important. These last two weeks, for me personally, have been hell, <coughs> hell on earth, just with a lot of things going on. And when those things get a little bit too high, you know, kind of like when you're going underwater and you're struggling, but then when it gets a little too high, you're just like, I'm done. I am so done. And it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And you forget that God has done amazing things for you and for me. And when I lose that gratitude for the things that I do have and I focus on the stuff that I don't have or the things that are bothering me, that's when I forget to show gratitude, to have my heart in the right position to hear from God. Then I think, well, he's not even listening to me. He doesn't care. No, he does. But it's because I don't have an attitude of gratitude. And I lose that posture of worship. I forget to take time out of my day to worship the one who created me, who gave me the things in my life that I should be grateful for and thankful for. And I lose the perspective that God is bigger than my situation. All of a sudden, my situation got way bigger than God. But that's not true. And then I lose this reminder that God is good. I forget about the proof of God's goodness in my life. And so if you're here today, and your last two weeks have been crummy, or your last few days, or maybe your last few years, remember that God is so big. And if we can have that attitude of gratitude towards him, there's so many things that he can do and wants to do in your life. And so it took up until this morning before worship practice for me to get on my knees in my office and listen to some worship music and say, okay, God, I'm not ready for this because my attitude stinks and my heart is like hurting and I don't feel close to you. And guess what? He showed up. And so now I have confidence in what God wants to do in us. And that part wasn't even like, that was Neil's message. <laughs> I'm preaching his message. I'm sorry. But I just felt like we needed to talk about that for a minute. So if you forgot about that message a few weeks ago, go back and listen to it. Because it's powerful. And God is powerful. 
In week two, we also learned about gratitude for people. And there's some people in my life right now that I don't like very well. And if I have that gratitude for those people, like I'm supposed to, then I begin to see value in them. And I begin to see the truth of their identity in Christ. And it begins to strengthen that relationship. And so, it's not going to be fun. Because right now, I don't even want to talk to these people. But, I need to check my own heart. And I need to make sure that I understand that God loves them just as much as he loves me. And so, if you're struggling with that too, you got some people in your life that you're like, yeah, I could do without that person. God loves them just as much. So, remember those things, all right? Then in week three, uh, we learned about truly knowing that we know God and that he knows us. And also about being, uh, we were challenged, right? We were challenged to, to pray for others that they might come to know God as well. And so if you got your little card and you wrote some names down on it, don't forget about that. Remember to, to pray for those people so that they too can come to know God. And so today we're going to continue in this series, uh, and we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and uh, the cool thing is, and I, I don't know if this was planned or not, but our key verse for today is uh, Ephesians 2.10, which Pastor Neil actually just mentioned a few minutes ago while he was up here uh, giving his uh, announcement stuff. And so Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. God, again, we love you so much, and we thank you for this opportunity to come into this building and to um, stand before you and worship you in song, to have fellowship with our family, and most importantly, God, to listen to your word and to take these things that you want to speak to us today and, and put them into practice in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us today lay down the stuff that we need to lay down so that we can truly hear from you. God, I pray that my words would be clear and that I'd be able to communicate what you want me to communicate. God, I would give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are perfect? Nobody. How many of you have been in right standing with God since the day you were born? Nobody. How many of you have never sinned? A hand. Nope, that's not a hand. Someone just waving themselves over there, like, oh, Lord. None of us are perfect. None of us have ever been in right standing with God from the day we were born, and none of us have 
just never, never sinned. I mean, we all need a savior. We all need a hero. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I've known some children of wrath in my day. And I probably was a child of wrath. In fact, I know I was a child of wrath in my day. I remember one time after church, my friends and I decided to go outside and play by the church steps. And next door was a house. And this was back when the $6 million man was big. You guys remember that show? Steve Austin, astronaut, man barely alive. We can rebuild him. We can make him stronger, better, faster. For $6 million, I doubt it. Not in today's economy. Whew. $600 billion man now. Um, anyways, so we decided we were going to be Steve Austin. And, and there was a pickup truck in the driveway next door to the church and we thought, well, let's push it out in the street because we're the $6 million man. No, 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 no. It didn't move. But one of the church deacons, he didn't like that, yelled at us, made us come back inside, sit on the front uh, pew thing. And luckily my dad was the pastor, so he owned the church, as all pastors' kids think. But they don't. It's God's house. But in that moment, that deacon let us know that we were children of wrath. I said all that for just that. I apologize. <laughs> Anyways, we were all dead in our sins, right? Every single one of us, we were dead in our sins. Dead. That's not alive not moving, you're dead. You're dead in your sins. We were dead in our sins. We were following the world that we live in. We were tempted by Satan. We gave into those temptations. We lived for the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires of our bodies and our thoughts. We were children of wrath. Every single one of us. Some you know, may say, well, I was more severe or I was less severe. Sin is sin, period, end of story, right? We were all dead in our sins. That sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? To be called a child of wrath, to say that you're dead in your sins. I mean, it's like, you know, where are you going with this when you're opening your letter like this, right? It sounds hopeless because it is hopeless. Being dead inside because of sin is not living a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's living a selfish life for our own desires. And when we live this way, uh, you know, in the moment, it's like, man, this is fun. I'm doing whatever I want to do. I am in control. 
I've got this down. I can do whatever I want to do, and no one's here to tell me any longer. Remember when you turned 18? Do you remember that? And all of a sudden, it was like, you're an adult. Mom and dad, I ain't cleaning my room. (laughs) Vacuum? Ha! No way. Pick up the dog from the vet? Are you kidding me? My sister's at swimming lessons? Well, she can walk. Right? Because you were going to live for yourself. You were in control now. It's like, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then mom and dad said, okay, move out. Pay for this, 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 and that. And you're like, oh, I was just kidding. Right? You're not in control. But see, we think we are, and we think it's going to be fun. But the thing is, is that when we live a life where we think that we're in control and we're going to do whatever we want to do, it, it might be fun for a little bit, but it's not going to last when we, all of us, we like to be in charge of our lives and do what we want. But if we look at what the Bible says about living for our own pleasures, we learn that living in our sin only leads to death. We can only find true freedom in Jesus. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't let the world dictate how you're going to act. Because the world is a mess. Let God's word and your relationship with him change the way you live. And that way you know what God has in store for you because you know that it's good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. At 18, when you become an adult, you don't make good, acceptable choices, usually. Some of us maybe did. Even today, we don't make good, acceptable choices all the time. You see, God loves us to the point where he wants what is good for each and every one of us. Um, We just have to surrender our guilty pleasures to him. It's like, God, I am weak in this area, and I can't, I can't. I can't control it. What do I do? You give it to him. What he has to offer is way better anyways. And in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, uh, it shows us that God made a way for us to get out of that life of sin and, and live a life that's honored to him. It says this, but God... Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Ever been pulled over by a police officer while speeding? Instead of getting a ticket, he gives you a hundred dollar bill. No. Now that's a really lame example. However, God's grace is like that, but way bigger. It's like the cop gave you six hundred billion dollars. 
but even bigger. You see, God's grace is more than just forgiveness. That's part of it, being forgiven. That's, that's a big part of God's grace. But God's grace is more than just the forgiveness thing. It, it, it's also erasing the history of your guilt and your shame that comes with the mistakes of your past. In Oaks, you guys talk about this. Because a lot of us in this room, we've done a lot of really bad things in our life. And sometimes we hold on to that for so long that when God wants to use you to do something big, you're like, I'm not good enough for that. I did this. I did this. I did this. There's no way that God can use me. Let it go. Because God's grace is more than just forgiveness. It's erasing that guilt and shame and giving you and me a clean slate. I have someone in my family who's very dear and near to my heart who, when she was a teenager, had an abortion. And God forgave her. And that's my sister. But when she had kids of her own later in life, she began to feel the need to fill that void that happened years and years before because of something that she did wrong. And she wanted to, to volunteer for like abortion clinics or not, not abortion clinics, but for like, you know, other ministries. But she didn't feel worthy because she made that mistake earlier in life. But God redeems and God can take away that guilt and that shame. And she's had the opportunity to, to serve in different ministries and areas where women who are struggling with that decision can be reached and touched and forgiven. And that guilt and that shame can be gone from them too. And maybe for you it's something else. I don't know. But God can use you if we just let that stuff go. He's rich in mercy. He can erase those mistakes of our past, and we have to remember that. I grew up in church my whole life, um, but there was also a long period in my life where I didn't serve God, where I decided it was, you know, more fun to do things on my own. And for a while it was, but then there came that emptiness, that feeling of, okay, I'm missing something. And I knew exactly what it was because I'd lived as a, as a believer my whole life. But when I finally repented of those things and I asked God, God, don't only forgive me, like change me. Like help me to, to move in the direction you want me to go. He, he, he forgave me, he erased that guilt and the shame, and then he set my life on a new path that led me to completely different direction than where I was headed. And I'm so grateful for that. The path I was leading was going to lead to death and destruction, but God's plans were better. They were laid out before me, and he showed me how much he loved me. His grace, his will, his mercy uh, made me alive again, and that's true for all of us. And I'm sure if we went around today and said, hey, everybody, tell us your story, there would be a lot of hurt a lot of bad decisions, 
that we've all made. But we don't have to hold on to those things. He's rich in mercy and grace. And he will clean that slate uh, if we let him. It also says in there in those verses that he doesn't only forgive us, he raises us up into the heavenly places and it says that he puts us right next to him. Man, the God of the universe, he forgives us and then he puts us right next to him in heavenly places? Really? That's huge. That's how much he thinks about you. And about me. Verse 7 tells us he, he did all of this to show for all time to all humanity that his grace is big. That his kindness and his love are immeasurable. If you've ever had the opportunity to save someone's life. I'm sure that that was like a, like a really awesome experience. Maybe you performed CPR. Maybe somebody was choking. I don't know. Whatever it was. I'm sure that when you had that opportunity it made an impact on you. Now, I've never had that opportunity, but I've had people save my life before. Drowning. Drowning. There's no D in drown. Well, there is in the beginning. Drowning. Uh, so I was a little kid. I was at camp. Now, you guys have heard this story before, I think. And I was sitting on the end of the dock and uh, with, with, my, with my friend, and these kids were messing around, these bigger kids, and someone bumped me, and I fell into the lake. And I think it was like 400 feet deep right there um, or so maybe six feet, uh, but I was little too, you know, like that, and so I remember looking up, and my hand was like that, and I remember just slowly watching the surface, like, disappear, and the sun that was up there just getting darker and darker, and I thought, this is it. I am dead. I'm going to die. My feet were getting cold, you know, because you're getting a little closer to the bottom. I mean, I remember this vividly, and I was like seven. That was like 30 years ago. And I was like, man, this is like, this is, this is how it goes. I'm, this is it. I'm done. And then all of a sudden, I felt like this, someone grabbed me and, and pulled me to the surface. And they were like, stand up. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, it was over my head. It really was. <laughs> man. Uh, those are the things that you're supposed to forget. Just that didn't happen. Okay. I mean, the, that part did, but the, the whole stand-up thing, just that's gone, all right? So anyways, I, I was, I, that happened, and I thought I was going to die. It was scary. It really was scary. I mean, I really thought this is the end of my life. And, and that person's selflessness saved my life. That person gave me a second chance. You see, God's love for us, his grace for us, his mercy for us saves us from death. And gives us a new opportunity for life when we ask him to forgive us. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. When I was drowning in that lake, I did nothing but blah, 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 blah. Somebody else had to act, and they saved my life. You see, there's nothing that I can do other than believe who God is and understand what Jesus did on the cross for me that will save me. You see, God saves us by his grace because we believe in him. 
We can't see him. We can't touch him. But if we believe that he's real, when we do that and we put our faith in him, he saves us from the death of our sins. It's a gift. We didn't do anything on our own other than believe. And here's the cool part of that. God didn't save us from the death of our, didn't just save us from the death of our sins. He saved us because he has a purpose for each and every one of us. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 says, this gift of salvation doesn't, oh, that doesn't say that. This is my word, sorry. The gift of salvation doesn't come, uh, come with strings. It says in Ephesians 2, 9 and 10, it's not because of a result of works, Right? So that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God saving us from the death of our sins is not based on anything that we've done or can do. Being nice to people is great. You should be nice. But it doesn't save us. Serving in the church is something we do, should all do. Serving our fellow man is something we should all do. But it doesn't make you right with God. You see, if our salvation was based on what we've done, uh, then we could brag or boast about it. Be like, hey, look what I did. I changed diapers in the nursery three weeks in a row. I just got my get out of hell free card. And God loves me more than he loves you. Right? We could brag or boast about it. But that's not God's plan. Yeah, we should help in the nursery. Yeah, we should serve our fellow man. Yes, we should be nice to people. But that's not where our salvation lies. God gave us that as a free gift. Verse 10 is one of my first favorite verses. Uh, again, it says that we are his workmanship. Have you ever been to the mountains? Anybody ever been to the mountains? I don't care where, Colorado, Lake Mount Everest, I don't know, whatever. Wherever you've been and you've seen mountains, they're, they're beautiful. Or have you ever sat by a waterfall, even if it's a little small one like that's coming out of a, a little small stream, you just sat there and listened to it and watched all the butterflies and the clouds and all that stuff or have you ever been scuba diving and seen what's under the sea all the beautiful colors and the fish and the coral and just the beauty of that or have you ever closely inspected the eye of a housefly I mean seriously it's fascinating or looked at a spider up close because they don't have just two eyes. They've got multiple. I want to say five, but I don't know if I'm right or not. So I know they've got eight legs, but they've got more than two eyes. And they're fascinating. Or the eye of a housefly, if you look at it really close, it's like thousands of lenses all shaped or all looking in a different direction so they can see everywhere. That's why they're so hard to catch. 
and they have to be able to see well because they fly really fast and they land really fast and they take off really fast. Those things are intricate. They were created by a master craftsman. The mountains that you enjoy were created by a master craftsman. If you go to a, a furniture store that, that maybe someone has hand carved something, it's perfect. All the details are there. And you're like, man, someone really put a lot of time and effort into this. It's not made out of particle board, right? Like most of our dressers are. It's not hand stamped in a factory somewhere. What James is creating over there, right? Jim, James, Jim. Jim is creating over there is, it's his workmanship. He's creating something beautiful. All of our artists do that week after week. Some of you in this room have certain things that you like to do. Rusty does blacksmithing. And so he gets to, you know, get in there and make metal which is ugly and rusty and hard and cold into something that's useful and beautiful. He takes his time to do that. That's what God did with you and with me. He created you. You are his workmanship. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's pretty awesome. I am a piece of art, and so are you, created by a master craftsman. So when we go back and we look at today's title uh, of the sermon, it said, created by one master craftsman. So you and I were created by a master, the master, and he created us for one purpose, to do good works, or in other words, to serve God and others. Now, yes, we have other things that we're supposed to do, like loving God and loving others. Um, uh, you know, praying, reading his word, those are all things that we're supposed to do too. So, but this purpose thing that I want to talk about for just a moment is that, is that he created us to serve him and to serve others. So we're created by one master craftsman for one purpose, to serve God and others. He has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. You and I are gifted differently. If I would have been playing keyboards this morning, worship would have not sounded like that. If Mike would have been playing drums, worship would have not sounded like that. If Jeff was leading the vocals, I promise you, it would have not sounded like that. <laughs> but we're all gifted differently. I can't do what you can do as good as you, whatever that is. And whatever it is that I can do, you can't do it as good as me either. That sounds really arrogant, doesn't it? But it's not. We're just all gifted differently. We have different things that we're better at than others, and that's okay. That's how God made us, right? God has gifted us differently. But we all have a purpose. 
It's to serve God and serve others, to use our abilities to make a difference in this world. And your purpose isn't a surprise to God. He planned it a long time ago when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. He was writing your little story out too. He knew exactly what he had in store for you and he knew what your purpose and your plans were to be. And maybe you don't know what that is yet. Maybe you're still trying to figure out what is it that God wants me to do? Maybe you're already way grown up and you're still trying to figure that out. Sometimes I think we try to complicate it too much. We try to think that of these big, grandiose things, these big, giant things that we have to do. But sometimes God's plan and purpose for you isn't some big, giant thing. Maybe it's simply loving the person sitting next to you and being an encouragement to others around you or whatever it is. I don't know. That's between you and God. But here's the thing. If, uh, find, to find your purpose, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What are some things that you like to do? What is God telling you that he wants you to do? Are you listening to hear his voice? Or are you so busy trying everything that you're not stopping to listen to what he wants you to do? So listen to his still small voice. And when you hear it, go for it. And then finally, let's look at the rest of today's passage and bring all of this together so we can wrap it up. So we are created by one master craftsman for one purpose as one. So what does that mean? Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says this. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the book of Ephesians, written by Paul, is to the Gentiles of Ephesus. They weren't in the same family or ethnic group as the Jews, right? They weren't included in the promises and the covenants with God. But Jesus changed all of that. You see, now we are all one. We're all one in the family of God. As fellow believers, we are unified. Now think about that for just a second. When's the last time that Christians were unified? It's not a fun question to ask or even try to answer because we've not been unified for a long time. Yeah, we share the same God. We share a lot of the same beliefs, but we're really good about pointing out why that church or that denomination is wrong and we're right. If we could get our act together 
and love each other, like God's word says that they'll know we are Christians by what? Our love. Our love for each other as fellow believers, but also our love for the world. As believers, we need to be unified. It shouldn't matter what your skin color is. It shouldn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican. It shouldn't matter if you're not as good looking as me. We are one. We need to be one. If we can become one with God and as a family, just think what we can do. First Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 says, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. If you look at your hand, or your arm, or your foot, or whatever. It has its own purpose. It's separate. It's, it's, I have two hands. I have ten fingers. I have ten toes. I have two feet. I have two kneecaps. Those are all separate, but they're all part of this glorious body that God created because I am God's workmanship as are you. So think of yourself that way. You're not ugly. You're beautiful. You're not imperfect. You're perfect because a master, the master craftsman created you. So when we look at our body parts, they're all separate, but they're all, they all have different purposes, but they're all part of the body, my, my, this body. It's the same with the body of Christ. We all look different. Every single one of you looks different. There's some similarities. Yeah, we have arms, legs, heads, eyes, all those things, but we're different. We all do different things, but we're all one in the body of Christ. We all serve the purpose of serving God and serving others, of doing good works through our faith in Jesus. They have to work together. We have to work together. A few years ago, I did a sermon on faith and works, and I, I bought these little oars at Academy, and I said, you know, if you get in a boat and you decide, I'm only going to use this, I'm only going to use my faith, where am I going to go? I'm going to go in a circle. If I decide, hey, I'm only going to use works to get where God wants me to go, am I going to get there? No. I'm going to go in a circle again. But if I use them both in unison, where am I going to go? In the direction that God wants me to go. Right? So these two things have to be one in my life. 
just like they have to be one in your life. And so if I'm put on this planet for a purpose of serving God and serving others, my faith and my works have to work together in unison to get where God wants me to go. I have to believe in him. I have to believe that what he wants me to do is where I'm supposed to be headed. And then the works part of it, the stuff that I physically am doing for him, when I do those together, I'm going to get to the destination that God wants me to get to. And so that's what we need to think about, um, is that if I use them both, I'm in unison as one. I'll be headed in the right direction. And so my challenge for each and every one of us today is this, and I'll close with this. This is the challenge. Number one, recognize that you are a high quality creation made by the one master craftsman. If you think that you can't do anything, I don't have any gifts or abilities. I'm too shy. I don't speak well in public. I don't really have anything to offer. You're wrong. You do. Because God created you. He's the master craftsman. He intricately, intricately, <laughs> by hand, knitted you together. And you can do a lot of stuff that you don't even know. You're not too old. You're not too young to walk in the path that God wants you to walk and fulfill the purposes that he wants you to fulfill. Number two, use your gifts and abilities to fulfill the purpose that God has laid out for you. Use those gifts and abilities. Uncover them. Find them. Ask him. And then use them. And then number three, love everyone and recognize that we are all part of one family. If Christians from the non-denomination denomination can love the Baptists and the Baptists can love the Church of Christ and the Church of Christ can love the Methodists. And we can all love any church that talks about Jesus. If we could do that as one, can you imagine how much that one purpose of serving God and serving others, how we could change this world? It would be amazing. So we are created by one master craftsman for one purpose as one. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And um, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for these verses that um, just... Speak to our hearts, God. God, I thank you that this morning um, 
you helped me to make the time to get my own self in right standing with you. And God, I pray that for all of us, Lord. I'm sure that there's people in this room that have been struggling and are hurting. And maybe they're angry or bitter or just feel like they're alone and that you're not there. God, I just pray that each and every one of us would recognize that you care and love each one of us so, so much. God, I pray as we walk out of this place that each one of us would be able to hold our heads high knowing that we are created by you, the master craftsman, that you have a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And that, God, we need to be in unity with one another. So, God, if we have people in our lives that we need to forgive or we need to ask forgiveness from, I pray that you'd help us to do that today. God, help us to recognize uh, all of the good things in our life that you've given us so we can fulfill the purposes and the plans that you have. We give all this to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. Um, Have an awesome, awesome week. And uh, we will see you guys here next week. I believe there's some things happening this Wednesday. So Surge is happening and our student ministries are happening. And uh, is your couples group happening this week or is that a lot? It was last week. Nope. So anyways, we love you guys. Uh, have a great week. Sign-ups. Well, yes, for the uh, Light the Night, the sign-ups are back there on the table. And uh, we appreciate all of you guys so much. And we'll see you next time.